And with someone next to you, um, just share uh, why is Jesus worthy to be worshipped? Why, why do you think Jesus is worthy to be worshipped? Just, just, just share with the person next to you. Um, if you don't know, that's okay. Or if you just want to guess or, or you know, whatever, whatever you think, just, just, just talk. Just talk. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you and Ann can, can share together. Yeah, you and Ann. Yeah, so you guys can sit together, you know, just pair up. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think Jesus is worthy, right? Because they were saying worthy is the lamb. Jesus is referred to as the lamb, right? Why, uh, why worthy is the lamb? Why is that the case? We're seeing that, right? So, you know, must have some kind of significance. Okay, all right. So uh, last night I had the privilege of um, teaching at Awana, uh, our Awana program, the kids. Uh, and yeah, Elder Jerry's out of town and, and making a make it, so I kind of just subbed. And I, you know, the kids have so much energy. Like, I thought our youth had a lot of energy, but like the kids there have even more energy and they just run around, like, can't focus. They're like, they're, they're like, they love talking, you know, especially when you're talking, they love talking. Um, yeah, so I have so much respect for the Awana co-workers. I know Don served in our Awana for a long time, so really thank you so much. And if anyone's interested in helping out Awana, I'm like, you, you, go, go, just go for it, go for it. Um, and I, I love how the like, kids are really straightforward, too. Like, there was a girl, she was like, um, are you going to be here next week? And I was like, I was like, oh, do you want me to be here next week? She's like, no. And I'm like, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I won't be here next week. <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah, the kids are just very, very straightforward. Um, and, and it's really cool because the lesson that, you know, we landed on, uh, it was about the story of the Bible, how it's God's, God's story. That, that's what the Bible is, God's story. And that's really something that I'm passionate about, something that we've been going through in our, our youth group. Uh, we talked about, like, you know, the background of the Bible, why was it written. That's what we're doing in our young adults group as well. And we're starting the book of Romans and, you know, learning about more about God's story written in a really condensed book, right? The book of Romans so rich, so full, um, so packed with, um, from beginning to end, right, about the story of the Bible and what God's doing, his plan um, with us. So... Um, I want you guys to think about, right, if, if for you, just, uh, just, a, just an exercise, if you were to summarize the entire Bible uh, for a child, uh, what would you say? So, you know, let's say, like, after service, you went outside, and we're, we're, we're chatting, and then, like, a kid comes up to you, is like, like could you, could you, what, what's, what's the Bible about? You know, like, what would you say? If you could tell, what's the story of the Bible? What would you say to a child, right? That, that's what I think about. I want you guys to think about it right now, like, but that's what I think about when I, I want to try and learn how to explain something uh, well. I try to think, how, how would I explain it to a child, right? Simply. That, that, that's what I think. So you guys think about that. Think about that. Um, so turn with, your, uh, turn with me to your Bibles in Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, verse 23. Acts chapter 19, verse 
So as you guys are turning there, um, I'm just going to read the first verse. So about the time there arose a great disturbance about the way. So about some time there arose a great disturbance about the way. So something about the way caused not just a, not just a, a small disturbance, but it was it was great. Um, I know that some of us may have been affected by uh, you know the northern uh, North North Cal fires, right? Power outages. Um, we actually like had uh, I think uh, yeah Andrew and, and his family like they actually came and kind of hooked some things up, right? So get some generators just in case there's no power at church. You know like you know we we could still like power stuff and. You know, some people they didn't they didn't have electricity in their homes, um, and that that's going to change the way you live, right? Like you can't store things in the refrigerator. You know, the refrigerator's not working, right? You can't cook on the stove. Uh, you know, no sparks, right? Like that thing or whatever. You know, like it, maybe uh, maybe no hot. Well, maybe I think there's hot water, but like it's going to change the way you live. So here in in Acts chapter 19, we're going to learn about how something called the way disturbed the people. So this, the word the way first comes up actually in verse 8 and 9. Verse 8 and 9. So just go with me a couple uh, verses uh, forward uh, to verses 8 and, uh, eight and 9. I'm, going to, I'm just going to read it there. Uh, so Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became uh, obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. Right, so this is the very first time where we hear uh, uh, this word being used in this way um, by Luke, the author of this book. So in some of your translations, uh, the, the word way might be capitalized. Uh, right? The W might be capitalized. Uh, I'm using the NIV right here. Anyone? Anyone's translation has it capitalized? Yeah? Yeah? Some of us? Most of us? Uh, no? No? Well, what translation are you using, Don? NIV, it's not capitalized in yours? Is it? Oh, yeah? Okay, maybe, maybe. Okay, yeah, so I, I looked up several translations, and I think ESV, NASB, you know, um, NIV all has a capitalized. So um, why is that, right? So when something's capitalized, it's usually important, especially when it's not at the beginning of a sentence, right? Uh, it might be a person's name. It might be a place, right? It might be some kind of new concept, so the author wants us to focus in on that because the translators, um, you know, they actually didn't, uh, actually in, in, in the Greek it actually isn't capitalized, right? This word isn't capitalized. So the translators who translated this, they wanted us to focus in on this word because it's important. So in verse 8, we learned that Paul spoke uh, boldly about something, right? In verse 8. Oh, let me just turn back. It said, uh, he spoke boldly about something for three months. So we need to think, what does Paul usually speak boldly about? When Paul's going around places, he's, you know, he, he's probably thinking, I'm, I might be uh, put in prison, I might be beaten, or I might be persecuted, but he speaks boldly about something. And oftentimes, we know that he, uh, he spoke boldly about the gospel. And here, it says that he argued persuasively about the kingdom of God. So something uh, about the way has a connection to the kingdom of God. And something about this connection caused people to hate it, caused people to want to slander it, 
right? It caused him trouble, and they maligned the way. So, so this this idea, this this concept of the way that Paul shared with people, it put people in a spot where they had to decide something, where they either had to believe it or or, or disbelieve it. So, in the Greek, the word for way is called hodos. So, if you want to write it out, it's H-O-D-O-S. That's like the transliteration. Hodos, which means a way of life, a whole way of life, actually. An entire way of living. And it has moral and spiritual implications. That's what it, that's what it means. So, I want you guys to, to just kind of think about that. A way of life, a way of living that, that affects everything. That affects everything. It's not, it's not just um, the way you live when you're at school. It's not just the way you live when you're at work or at home. And it, doesn't, it doesn't just, just affect the way you live, you know, maybe your mornings, like during, during the daytime or in the evenings or, or where you're in the public or where you're in private. It doesn't matter, right? It's an entire way of living that's, that's uniform, that's the same. And here we see that Paul is sharing about this way, which is... For, for who, people who are believers, who are citizens of the kingdom of God, they are supposed to be living a certain way. A kingdom of God, where every believer is a citizen, where we are supposed to live a certain way. Right? Just, when we're in the U.S., like, people, uh, you know, there, there's US, you know, American ideals, right? American values, you know, maybe like family, maybe uh, you know, loving your country, Certain things like that. Um, some people think about like, oh, the American dream. You know, there's a there's a certain way of life, right, uh, that people have here. Certain certain laws that we abide by. But similarly, in the kingdom of God, we also have those certain things. So in First Corinthians ten thirty one, um, this was you know we talked about it during retreat, summer retreat this year. It says, so whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God, right. Or is it, can, you, can you sign off, you know, SDG behind everything you do, think, say, whatever, right? Yeah. So the way is grounded in the gospel of Jesus and all that he stands for and his relationship with humans. So this way was actually such a big deal that it ended up causing um, a riot in Ephesus. When I think about uh, rioting, I don't know if you guys watch the news or read the news um, about Hong Kong. Right, that's a huge deal right now, right? I think uh, last I checked, they've been uh, having uh, protests for like five months. Five months. Um, and it's been such a, like, a long and difficult time for the people. Uh, when, I, when I see the photos, like, I see a lot of pain, um, a lot of just confusion, a lot of anger, right? a lot of upsets. And it's just such an intense situation because when I try to read into this, uh, this situation, I, like, it's hard for me to choose a side because that's what you know, people want you to do, right? That's when we read or like, who's right, who's wrong, you know, who's being uh, persecuted or who's being abused, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, you're like, what's going on here? And I think you know, uh, there's compelling arguments for every side, but I think it's also undeniable that Hong Kong's suffering a lot. Uh, you know, people are, are divided, right? People are like, just let us live peacefully. Um, stop, you know, like, stop writing or stop protesting. Uh, some people are like, you know, our freedom has been taken away. Um, the economy is, you know, collapsing. People who have businesses, you know, they're, they're losing money, right? How are they going to support themselves? 
because less and less people, I think over 50% of people have from mainland China that go you know, to Hong Kong to tour or whatever has decreased by 50%. 50%, right? And I think that if the economy shrunk by like 3% at least already, uh, and that's just in five months. Um, so many people have stopped going to Hong Kong for tourism. And I know tourism is, is a big part of their economy. So it's like, it's affected so much. And I know that's just, that's just money-wise. not talking about relationships or, or physical, like, you know, things like that. And it was, it was all started because of this thing called an extradition bill. Some of you guys may know about that. And, and you know, um, but, but to really understand the this, this situation, this context, you know, you, we need to go back into the history, right? Going back to Britain and, you know, the, uh, like how, how you know, they handed off, you know, to mainland China and then all these things after how many years, right? Like, you got to go into the whole history to really understand this context, which I'm not really going to go into. But likewise, in this situation, just like in the Bible, we need to understand why this riot occurred and how it connects to Christians and to us. Because we know we're not living in that time right now. But the story is written here, and it's for us to read. So some time has passed since, since Paul has been in Ephesus. He's been there for quite a while now. And Paul and the Christians there, um, they're living it out as Christians. They're living it out as believers. They're impacting the city. Uh, last week, we read about a bunch of sorcerers. Uh, they believed in the gospel, and they wanted to follow Jesus and what did they end up doing? They ended up burning their scrolls, which was, uh, which was worth 50,000 days of wages. So if you convert that into you know, whatever salary people earn in the Bay Area, that's, it could, it's in the millions of dollars. That, that's how much money they just, they just burned up. And the impact that, that Jesus had, had on their lives, it was real. It was real. They really believed it. They knew that, that they'd been forgiven. They experienced God's love, His grace this gift of salvation that they didn't deserve. And it was so different than the, the gods of their culture. Right? This Jesus Christ brought a new message, a different message. This, in, the, in the olden days, you know, these gods, these were, these were beings, entities that you, that you needed to, to appease, that you wanted to please, and that you, you wanted to maybe, like, you know, somehow, like, Get them on your side, you know, get, earn their favor so that, that, you know, good things will happen to you in your life. Um, maybe, like, you know, you, you would worship a God and, and you would give money, you would donate money, or you would give sacrifices so that, um, you know, your wife, maybe uh, she can have, you know, you guys can bear a child. Um, maybe, maybe you know, your, your wife's been barren for a while, you guys are trying to have a child, but just can't, and then, you know, and then, like, do all that, hopefully you can have a child, or maybe your business can be successful, or... That, that rain and water, uh, the weather, the climate would prove favorable for your crops. Right? So you would do these things to kind of earn their favor and to, earn, and, and, and to prevent uh, calamity and trouble from coming to you. But here we, we find that, that Paul, he brought the gospel, which is a different message, a message that's not dependent on people's, uh, uh, like, uh, uh, dependent on, on what people can do, what, what people can bring. Right? We, people didn't have to earn God's favor. And that's, that's grace. So, Paul, Paul and the Christians, you know, they're shaking up the city. Right? They're causing a lot of commotion through the gospel and living it out as Christians. You know, they're causing a, causing a disturbance in the city by the way they lived, the way. So much that there's a, that there's a, a silversmith called Demetrius, which I'm going to read about. 
you know, he has some things to say about what's going on. So let's, let's read in uh, uh, verse 24, okay, chapter 19, verse 24. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought in no little, bi- oh, oh, brought in no little business for the craftsmen. He called them together along with the workmen in related trades and said, Man, you know we receive a good income from this business, and you hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in the Ephesus and practically the whole province of Asia. He says that man-made gods are no gods at all. And there is, no, not only, uh, there is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited. And the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. When they heard this, they were furious and began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! So the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized Gaius and uh, Aristarchus and uh, Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia and rushed as one man into the theater. Paul wanted to appear before the crowd, but the disciples would not let him go. All right, uh, even some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him not to venture into the theater. The assembly was in confusion. Some were shouting one thing, some another, and most of the people didn't even know why they were there. I, th- I think that's, that's pretty, pretty funny. But the, the Jews pushed Alexander to the front, and some of the crowd shouted instructions to him. He motioned for silence in order to make a defense before the people. But when they realized he was a Jew, they all shouted in unison for about two hours, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So there's this guy called Demetrius. He's a silversmith. And he, he called a meeting with all the craftsmen to discuss about how these Christians and are disturbing their city, causing a, a ruckus. These Christians were about to put them out of business. So I wonder if anyone here questioned Demetrius' intentions. You know, did Demetrius, did he really follow the goddess Artemis, or was he in it just for the money? I, I'm like, what, what do you guys think when you guys read this? Think he's in it for the money, or, or he really cares about uh, Artemis? Well, the passage doesn't specifically say, but it seemed that he cared a lot about losing his business, losing money. So I want you guys to think about this kind of impact about, that Christianity was able to have on this city, that people would get together to try and stop these people. So, so in, this, in, this, in this town, in this tra- there is a trade where people would make silver shrines or, or make shrines of different um, materials of, of Artemis. So Artemis was the daughter of Zeus. Uh, in in, in, uh, in, in, uh, in uh, Romans, they would also call the, uh, her Diana. That's, that's her other name. She was identified as a huntress. Um, she was pure. Uh, but at the same time, you know, she, 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 she was nurturing. She would like nurture animals and stuff. Um, but later she would like hunt them, so it's like it's pretty interesting. Uh, so this 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 being, this goddess, she was also connected um, to also violence, though. Like she would uh, sometimes someone would do something wrong to her, and she would like you know enact vengeance on them, and she would like kill them. So it's like this. So it's like a really interesting character. 
But at the same time, she was really highly honored and worshipped in Ephesus and beyond, as we can see, right? It's like, you know, God, she's so popular. She's, you know, known throughout Asia and in the whole world. You know, people, people come to worship her and stuff. So she's really popular. And before people left the city, maybe they, they came to visit the city um, and they wanted to leave, they could just buy a souvenir, basically, like a little, little shrine to Artemis, and like, they could just like, pack it up and take it home. And when they get home, they could set it up there, and like, I could worship Artemis from, from my home or wherever, you know, put it in your business, like put it in your, your store, whatnot. Right? People know, like, oh, you worship Artemis. Or, you know, whatever, right? And this business, it was lucrative. And Demetrius, he was like, we make good money. We make good money. I mean, who doesn't like making good money, right? And when you, when you have money, you have financial security. Right? When you make good money, you, you, can, you can buy what you want. You can live however you want, right? You can, maybe you can take more vacations or whatnot. You make good money, you, you, know, you don't have to worry about making rent or uh, college fees or, you know, like maybe you're, you're, the way you, know, you, want, you want to provide you know, for your children, you want them to have like a, a good life. Uh, maybe you want them to have all the classes and all the tutorings and, and you know, all the stuff, right? You want them to have that. And if you make good money, you can provide that for your family. They can be happy. It's comfortable. So uh, when I think about this, I also think about the NBA. So if you guys have been following the news recently about you know, the, the conflict between you know, the NBA and China, right? Mainland China. Uh, so if you guys don't know, um, recently in October, there was a guy. He was, he's called um, Daryl Morey. He's a, a Houston Rockets general manager. He, he tweeted uh, in support of the Hong Kong protesters. Right? He's like, you know, like, I, I support you guys and what you guys are doing. And when he, after he did that, like, China didn't like that. Because basically, you know, like, you, you, you're supporting, you know, like, your name is you are, you know, you're, you're representing the NBA in a sense. And you're supporting, you know, these people who are destroying our country. It, it, that, that's what it looks like, right? So China was like, okay, if, if you guys do that, um, there's going to be ramifications. So you know, we're going to stop, like, uh, we're, we're, you know, we're not going to let you play. Like, we're not, we're not going to let the Houston Rockets play, you know, exhibition games in, in China, right? All the tickets, you know, whatever. We're not, going to sh- we're, not, we're not going to show your games in China. And if you think about that, there's so much money involved. Like, you know, people who buy tickets to go watch games, people who, who watch on, um, you know, on TV, Right? There's a lot of money to be made there, right? A viewership, right? advertisements, uh, merchandise, right? jerseys and shoes and all these things that the NBA brings. And the NBA, you know, like, uh, so, so uh, Adam Silver, who is the NBA commissioner, you know, he kind of spoke out about that in support of, of uh, you know, free speech. He's like, you know, uh, we, don't, we don't censor like what people say because this is America, there's free speech, right? And China was like, oh, yo, we don't like that. You know, you, you're, you're saying some, some bad things. So... So, like, there's so much money involved in that. I think there's, like, millions and millions of dollars involved in this. Because I think there's even more people who watch NBA in China than in the U.S. There's, like, more people. It's huge, right? After Yao Ming, like, it just exploded, right? So, I mean, Jeremy Lin, he's in, he's in Beijing Ducks, right? He plays with Beijing Ducks recently. So, yeah, he's, 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 yeah, he's no longer in the NBA, but, yeah, he's there. So, there's so much, there's so much money involved, and... LeBron James, he even tweeted about it too. He was like, you know, NBA like didn't really know what they were doing, and you know, Moray, he didn't really know what he was saying. He doesn't really understand the situation. So like, you know, and like the Hong Kong like protesters are like, oh, we don't like that. So what did they end up doing? They started burning LeBron James's jerseys. 
Right? They start burning up. Like, we hate you. Like, you know, like, you don't, you don't support, like, us and, like, free, you know, like, free, free speech and all that. So we're just going to burn your, your jersey. Right? So it's like, it's like, it's crazy. It's crazy. So think about, like, how one tweet was able to cause, like, this much stuff. Some people thought the NBA was, was untouchable. Like, you know, people just couldn't do anything about it. It was huge. But here we find that even the NBA, it's a really, it's, it's a business, right? It's entertainment. It's entertainment. And it goes where the money goes, right? NBA, you know, they started sucking up, like, in a sense, we're like, oh, sorry, you know, like, they, they try not to take sides, and people are like, oh, NBA, you know, you guys are just sucking up to China now, but, you know, so that's a whole other story. But, in, so, in verse 26, we find out that Paul was able to convince a lot of people, a lot of people to follow Jesus, and to the Ephesians, they saw that Paul was leading these people astray. Paul was leading the, the people of Ephesus astray. That, that they were leading the, the people away from Artemis, who is, you know, a goddess that, that, is, that is, you know, honored and, and reverent and all these things. And they're leading them astray and following this, this Jesus. Like, like, who is this Jesus, you know? Like that, that you guys, you guys want to do that? You want to, you got, you want to like mess with our lives? So, think about it. Like, if a group of people were able to convince, you know, people to stop supporting basketball, right? To stop supporting basketball and go like support soccer. So, no more watching basketball. No more buying their merchandise. No more nothing. No more playing basketball. Nothing. Go play soccer. Like that's that's what I think about. You know, because basketball is really like a cult. People are like so into this. They like. They're, they're huge about that, you know? They want to wear whatever Kobe or LeBron or Jordan wears, you know? They want to play like them. They want to, you know, they just spend so much money, so much time. It's, it's really like a, like a cult. So just think about that. Think about two ways clashing against each other, two ways of life butting heads against one another. Either you follow Artemis or you follow Jesus. Following Artemis or you follow Jesus. So what exactly did Paul say about Artemis, though? What do you say? So in verse 26, uh, Demetrius, he, he, he tries to like paraphrase Paul. He says this. He says that he, uh, he meaning Paul, Paul says that man-made gods are no gods at all. That man-made gods are not gods at all. In Acts 17, in the latter half of Acts 17, Paul, he gets up the Aragopagus. He's in Athens. And people invited him, the Epicureans, the Stoics. They're like, you're talking about some interesting stuff, you know, like about this Jesus who resurrected. Like, come talk, tell us more about that. We're interested. And Jesus is like, you know, Jesus, you know, he's actually like not a God made by, hand, by human hands. He's not a God formed of silver or gold or stone. But he's actually like a real God. And he's like a true God. And he's like higher than any other God. And like, this is, this is the God that you guys are really looking for. This is the true God that you really need, you know. This is, this is the God that sent Jesus, and Jesus, you know, died for us, lived for us, died for us, and he rose again. Now, he's different than your gods. And you don't have to do anything to earn his favor or his love. He's different. And the prophet Isaiah also has something to say about this. So I'm going to read this. It's actually kind of long, so just kind of listen carefully as I read it. But I think it's so interesting. It's crazy. Isaiah 44, okay, verse 9 to 19. So uh, the context is basically like Israel, you know, they're, 
they're like, they, they've fallen away, right? They, they've gone after idols. This is God's chosen people. But, man, his, the Israelites are really just not, you know, they're, 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 they've just gone after, their hearts are so led, so led astray, right? And Isaiah, he's like, he's, he's talking about um, idolatry. So Isaiah 44, verse 9. All who fashion idols are nothing, and the things they delight in do not profit. Right? Their witnesses neither see nor know that they may be put to shame. Who fashions a god or casts an idol that is profitable for nothing? Or behold, all his companions shall be put to shame, and the craftsmen are only human. Let them all assemble, let them stand forth. Or they shall be terrified, they shall be put to shame. The ironsmith takes a cutting tool and works it over the coals. He fashions it with hammers, he works it with a strong arm. All right, he becomes hungry and his strength fails. He drinks no water and is faint. All right, the carpenter stretches a line he marks out with a pencil. He shapes it with planes and marks it with a compass. He shapes it into the figure of a man with the beauty of a man to dwell in a house. He cuts down cedars and he chooses a cypress tree or an oak and lets it grow strong among the trees of the forest. Right? He plants a cedar and the rain nourishes it. Then it becomes fuel for a man. He takes a part of it and warms himself. He kindles a fire and bakes bread. Also, he makes a god and worships it. He makes it an idol and falls down before it. Right? Half of it he burns in the fire. Over the other half he eats meat, he roasts it, and is satisfied. And he warms himself and says, Aha, I am warm, I have seen the fire. And the rest of it he makes into a god, his idol, and falls down to it and worships it. He prays to it and says, Deliver me, for you are my god. They know not, nor do they discern, for he has shut their eyes so they cannot see, and their hearts so they cannot understand. And no one considers, nor is there knowledge or discernment to say, Half of it I burned in the fire, I also baked bread on its coals, I roasted meat and I've eaten, and shall I make the rest of it an abomination? Shall I fall down before a block of wood? When I, when I, read, when I, when I read this, I was like, like wow. You know, like, like these, these idols, these shrines to Artemis, like, look how, look how ridiculous that sounds. Like, if, if, if Artemis was made out of a, a block of wood or something, it's like, I could have warmed myself with this block of wood, and then I could have, you know, cooked some meat over it, had a barbecue, and then, you know, with the leftover pieces, I just, like, shaped it into whatever I wanted, and it's like, and then, I'm, and then like, I put it there, and I'm, like, throwing myself before it, and I'm just like, deliver me, you know, like, you can save me. So, like, that's really what Isaiah is getting here. It's like, it's, it's so ridiculous. Like, you have, you have God. You know, the real, the real, you know, like the, the, the one true God. And you Israelites, you have experienced this God. Like, you have a deep history of connection to God. And, like, what are you doing now? Like, what are you doing? And I think for, for Christians, for believers, this is, the, this, is the, um, this is the danger that we have, is that for Christians, we've experienced God. Right, we've experienced salvation, his love, his mercy, his, his, his grace, his forgiveness, right, his goodness in our lives. But then, like, things come up, and then we're, like, we just, like, we, like, throw ourselves down before those, those things, that, and we were like, oh, deliver us. Do something for us. And I, and I think there's billions of people in this world today who are throwing themselves down before blocks of wood, 
right? Blocks of wood, symbol, you know, symbolism for whatever out there that they worship that's not God, right? The God of the Bible. They're just throwing those nouns before that. They think that this idol can give them what they really need, what they want. That they, that they say to this idol, deliver me, for you are my God. And they think that this God can bring them happiness, right? That, that, that this, this God can bring them security and love and fulfillment, purpose. This God can, can, can give them rest. And people find it in all different areas. They find it in, you know, entertainment, right? They want to lose themselves in entertainment, thinking that, that that's, that's what they need. You know, like, whatever I like, I think about, you know, that it's, it's like dystopian world, right? Or, uh, you know, like, Ready Player One, you know, like, the world's, like, really garbage. And people just want to, like, go into the game, right, to get away. They could be anyone they want, you know, world's good, right? It's like, you want to, you want to run away, or think of, they want to go into relationships, or like, relationships, that's, this is the thing that's going to, you know, give me what I really want, romantic or not, or just a friendship. You know, they, they think that sex is going to give them what they really want, it's going to fulfill them. They think about money or popularity, maybe family, maybe getting into a good college or getting a good job or making your parents proud or climbing the corporate ladder or whatever that is. And a lot of these things aren't bad, you know. A lot of these things aren't bad in itself. But when we look to these things to deliver us or to save us from whatever we are being crushed by, that's... That, that, that's when, you know, we cross the line. Right? When people face loneliness, when they face uh, failure or stress or depression or despair, right, financial issues, like, we risk turning whatever, you know, that, that we think can deliver us if it's not the God of, God of, a, of the Bible into a God. Um, I, recently, I saw a post, someone was, like, you know, from Korea, and they were like, I just want to share something how, like, you know, Korea has one of the highest suicide rates, right? I think Japan also has a pretty high suicide rate, um, you know, students and, and working people alike. You know, and these people, they, they, you know, they, you know they, they want to try and find some kind of escape, right? They want to, they want, they want to be delivered from, from this thing. And, you know, they, they ultimately, they, they go through different routes and they, they can't figure things out, right? They, don't, they feel like they don't have other, other options or it's just too much, too much to bear, so what, what idols can you identify in your life that seem to tell the truth? Yeah, that, that on the forefront seem to tell the truth. Like this is what you need. This, this, this is going to solve all your problems. But it's actually a lie. It's actually a lie. Right, if I only had this, then I would be satisfied, right? That's what people always think. You know, if, I, if I just had X, then I'm good. If I only had this, then I would be happy. Right, in verse 35, I want to continue reading about this guy called the city clerk. City clerk. The city clerk quieted the crowd and said, Men of Ephesus, don't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image which fell from heaven? Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to be quiet and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, though they have neither robbed temples nor blasphemed our goddess. 
If then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievance against anyone, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. They can press charges. If there is anything further you want to bring up, it must be settled in a legal assembly. As it is, we are in danger of being charged with rioting because of today's events. In that case, we will not be able to account for this commotion, since there is no reason for it. After he had said this, he dismissed the assembly. So the city clerk was this important person who basically keeps the town records, and he has some influence, he has some power, right? He can, he can tell people to go home, right? And he has something to say, right? He gets up and says, basically, Artemis is a great goddess. Like, regardless of what Paul says, you know, he's wrong. Like, our Artemis is a great goddess. And all the world knows that. It's a fact. There's no need to worry. Just stay calm and move on, right? Don't riot. Don't get in trouble. There's, there's nothing wrong here. Like, Paul never said anything wrong. But I think that the, the clerk, he's actually really wrong, though. He's actually really wrong. And he's actually making light of this situation. Because, in fact, Paul and his fellow believers, they actually did blaspheme their goddess. You know, they're, they're basically saying, you know, your goddess is, is, is nothing. You know, your goddess is nothing. You're, you're, our, our Jesus is, is higher than your goddess. Are these, these temples and these shrines to Artemis? They're nothing. They're just pieces of gold. You know, they're just pieces of silver. They're nothing. It ain't, Artemis ain't worth your time. It ain't worth your commitment. It ain't worth your way of life. It, it's not. It's not. And I think that people need to understand is that Jesus is going to cause a great disturbance. When Jesus comes into your life, when Jesus comes into someone's life, man, it shakes things up. Things aren't going to stay calm and peaceful like that. It's going to, we're going to have to wrestle with certain things. All right, because this Jesus is going to come in, it's going to change our lives, to transform our lives. It's going to cause a great disturbance. And, but this Jesus... It's worth it, though. Jesus is worth it. What are we saying? You know, a worthy is the lamb. Jesus is worth it. He's worth following because he's the real deal. He's the real deal. In John 1, um, the author writes about the word becoming flesh, right? And this this flesh dwelt among men. Jesus, he took on human flesh by uh, by being born into this world as a baby boy. Right? He got hungry, he got tired, you know, he made friends, he had fun, he had to go to school and all these things. But through it all, he lived a perfect life. And he kept all the laws of God in its, in its entirety, which no one was able to do in the history of this world. No one was able to do this. He never even broke one rule. He never failed to obey God. But yet, he was given a criminal's death. Right? Though he was innocent. He was buried. He died on a cross. He was buried. But that isn't the end of the story. For anyone else, that would have been the end of the story. But not for Jesus, because he didn't stay down like other people because God uh, uh, raised him from the dead. That God's power raised him from the dead. And this really is the proof that Jesus 
was not a fraud. Right? That Jesus is who he claimed to be. That Jesus is the real deal. That he rose with life and power over sin and death. Right? 100% God, 100% man. And this Jesus, he bridges the gap between heaven and earth. Which sin divided. Right? Because God is a holy God. And people, when we sinned, right, everyone has sinned. We're, we're separated. Our relationship is just messed up. But Jesus, he comes to mend and to restore that relationship. But, but how often do we downplay the significance, right, of these idols in our lives, thinking that it's not a big deal? It's no big deal. Like, I'll, like I'll, I'll stop idolizing this when things get better. You know, like, I'm, I'm going to stop pouring all my life, all my hopes, all, all my dreams into this one thing when things get better. I'll, I'll, or I'll fix this before it's too late. I'll, I'll solve this problem, this sin in my life, this issue before it's too late. Maybe we might start going that slippery slope where we're like, oh, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. I mean, like, people are worse, right? People are worse. I've seen worse things. I'm not so bad. You know, I don't know what's on your heart today, what's weighing you down, or what burden in your life is, is crushing you, or what idol you've been turning to, worshiping, hoping that it would deliver you, that if you had that, then, 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 then you're secure, right? that, 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 that you have everything that you need, that you believe that this thing will give you what you really desire and that it will save you, but you know who really knows what you need? You know who really knows your struggles? Jesus does. And he knows your pain. The author of Hebrews writes that Jesus can really identify with us. So in, in Hebrews 4, it says, in 4 verse 14, it says this, Since then we have a great high priest, Jesus, who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Therefore, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. So high priest is basically someone in the Old Testament who was kind of that in-between, between God and, his, and the people. This, was, this, was, this is what the priest does. Is they, they intercede for the people. Right? People couldn't just come to God by themselves. They needed a priest to, to do that for them. And the high priest was the one that who was the only one who could go into you know, the holiest of holies once a year after purifying himself and being clean and making sure all of that, or else he would die, once a year, he can, he can go before God, you know, and, and God will talk, you know, and they would, like, they would talk and, and figure things out and stuff. Right? But Jesus is that great high priest for us now. For us now. And this priest was, is, is able to sympathize with our weakness because Jesus was tempted in every way as we are, yet he did not sin. He was tempted in every way. So think about that, okay? All the temptations that you face in this life, all the sins of this world that try to get a hold of you, that, that lie to you, you know, Jesus faced those things. Yet he didn't sin. But he understands because he's faced it. And because of that, we can draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy, that's what it says in verse 16, and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is our helper. He, he, he intercedes for us despite our failings. And mercy and grace awaits us 
Every single time at the throne. Every single time. Whenever we go to God and we let him know what's on our heart, he listens. And Jesus is there listening. And he wants to, to, to intercede for us. Whatever happens. So whatever is on your heart today, whatever you're burdened with, whatever you're weighed down with, whatever worry that you have in life, whatever fear or whatever, maybe some temptation, maybe, maybe it's something that you're disappointed about or whatever that is in life, I want you to, to, to share that. Share that with God. So let's take a moment and let's pray and let's draw near to the throne of grace right now. So I want to invite the worship team to, to come forward and, um, and, and we're just going to sing this, this one last song and then we're going to, um, and then we're going to wrap up.